Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kenno Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Azure Podcast. Um, my name is Evan Baslick. I'm here with my fellow hosts, uh, Cynthia, Kale, Russell, Sajit. We got a, actually a really full house today because we have um, some special guests who want to talk about some things that they built um, on top of Purview, so basically a Purview Solution Accelerator. Um, and so we'll get to them and that in a few minutes. But uh, today is uh, October 5th, and we are. this is episode number 441. I totally screwed that intro up, y'all. Like, that was horrible. I didn't miss in the number. I swear. Um, we'll just keep going. Um, so uh, before we get to our guests, uh, we're, we're cracking up our, our our guests now. I'm watching it on screen for those of you that are not on video. Um, before we get to our guests, let's uh, hit some news. Uh, who wants to start first? Um, I can go if you like. So there's, there was a couple of new announcements on Azure ML. Um, so some, some GA features that have come out. Um, just some small updates, really. So one is about being able to configure email notifications really easily through the through the ML tool, so you can generate notifications on updates and, and stuff. Um, the other one was some public preview updates that have come out. So there, there's a there's three new things come up there, and it and it's about how you can configure the compute instance with uh, managed identity. So bringing that into into the ML side yeah. of things as well, um, and and various other little little changes in there. I think the, the main thing I noticed when I was going through the Azure updates this time round was a number of um, retirements of things, so notices of Not things that are being removed. Um, I see uh, Carol spotted one there as well, which is the Azure Basic Load Balancer, which is due to be retired. But they've all got fairly long dates on them, so that one's 2025, I think, September. Um, and there's another option, which is to upgrade the standard load balancers for that one. Um, but some of the other things I noticed was the DevOps starter, um, and instead they recommend you use the developer CLI quick start instead. Um, static web app support for Node 12, which ends in 2022. Azure Batch Jobs Pool and Lifetime Stats API is being, being discontinued as of uh, April 23. And Azure Batch Low Priority VMs um, support for those in uh, September 2025. Um, and I'm guessing this is a timing thing because we've got Ignite coming up next week, and I guess yeah. it's kind of clearing away some of the uh, some of the stuff that's less used or less supported, and uh, making way for all the all the awesome features that are going to be announced then. Also, I think the batch job pull lifetime stats API is too long a name, so that's probably. Why. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who wants to go next? Um, I have I have one around energy that I think it's. I, I just learned about it today that Microsoft and INT are deploying IVAAP for OSDU. I know there's a lot of acronyms. And OSDU <laughs> is Open Group Open Subsurface Data Universe for you. But the, the main idea is that we're really consolidating like the data platform of how people are monitoring how oil and gas is using energy. And with um, this partnership, we also have a lot of different data visualization, APIs, SDKs that you can easily use as a solution for different companies that are especially focused around energy consumption to really understand how they're being consumed, 
where they're being consumed and obviously find ways that you can make it more efficient. Yeah, thank you for uh, finding those because, yeah, that's a lot of acronyms in one uh, in one name. Um, the, the one that I did want to throw out there, and, and this just this still blows my mind every time I see something like this. So we just announced a public preview for Azure SQL database, um, uh, 450 gigs of memory, 128 cores. And, and again, this is SQL database. I, I, I've been doing this long enough that I remember, you know, old Superdome physical servers mm-hmm. in the on-premises world, which were like, a whole 64 cores, right? Like we, and those are like the biggest, baddest things we ever saw in the SQL Server world. Um, and now this is, you know, it's just a SQL database thing. We just casually announce it, right? It's just sort of amazing the scale that you can get, right? Just click a button, deploy. Now you be running, you know, high cost per minute, but that's way better than the six or 12 months it used to take to get these things in the house. Um, so I just thought that was kind of ironic, kind of cool. Um, any other news? Did we miss anything else, Russell, Kale, um, Cynthia? I think we're good. Okay, cool. Um, well, so let's get over to our special guest. So again, we're going to be talking about Databricks Solution Accelerator for Azure Purview. Um, you know, Will, Travis, Mark, Mark, can you guys introduce yourselves and tell us who you are and then what the heck a solution is? So we'll start with that piece. Well, let me let me quickly introduce myself and then maybe we'll go to Travis and then to Mark. So that way, Mark, you can you can launch us off of that. So so real quick, Will Johnson, I'm currently one of the global black belts supporting cloud analytics at Microsoft. Uh, I really focus on on Databricks, on Purview, machine learning, uh, and I've been doing this for, for a little while now, four and a half years at Microsoft. Uh, and, and I really got an awesome opportunity to work with Mark and Travis on, on this particular solution accelerator um, through through a chance through a chance meeting uh, a while back. So Travis, could you introduce yourself? <clears throat> yeah, uh, my name is Travis Hilbert. Uh, I work on the early access engineering team along with Mark. Um, I just celebrated, well, not just, it was July, but my 10 years at Microsoft. Um, so that's a cool, um, but, uh, but yeah, early access engineering, um, and I'll let. Hey, Mark Taylor, uh, also early access engineering. Um, and I work as sort of a technical PM, but also as a dev. So I wear some different hats in that, that role. Um, but our, our team, to answer your question, so our, our team early access engineering uh, works with customers um, and we're kind of a, a unique engineering team in that we're completely customer facing and we work a lot with the sales team and with other organizations within Microsoft that are customer facing. And the idea is that we figure out um, areas where customers might be having issues with our products. Maybe it's because they're really complex and we need to give them some kind of example of how these things would be implemented in the real world. Or maybe it's like a gap that a product has. Um, so so we work to try and fill those gaps um, through solution accelerators, which are uh, open source code that, that we produce. And we work a lot with the engineering teams. One of the things that, that Jacqueline Ajay uh, has done, who's, who leads our group, is kind of put together a unique development model. So instead of us just developing stuff as a team, we, we actually uh, set up these kind of cross-org development teams um, with like Will isn't part of the early access engineering group. As he said, he's a GBB. A lot of our leads on their development projects actually come from other places within Microsoft. And we kind of bring all of that together into a what we call a development pod. Um, so in this case, uh, I was working um, on governance, and so Purview, um, and 
we noticed that there was a, uh, well, we didn't notice, the engineering team came to us and, and customers came to us and there was a lot of information about folks needing to be able to get lineage out of Azure Databricks. Um, and so that's where this this particular solution, Accelerator, came from. And we uh, immediately, I went to Will because he's kind of famous in the purview uh, area as the the uh, creator of something called Pi Apache Atlas, which maybe a session, another session, <laughs> but um, but he he's awesome. So so I went to try and work with Will, and we got some other folks involved. Rodrigo, a guy named Rodrigo Montero, and you can see them all on the. Uh, on the Purview ADB Lineage Solution Accelerator GitHub page, if you go there. Um, but I think we counted, and there's something like seven different organizations represented by the folks who were working on this. Um, so it's really been been a cross-organizational thing. Um, and the AE team kind of lends, you know, full-time developers and, and other resources to it and, and does some funding activities. Um, but really, it's it's a cross-org org, uh, endeavor. and. I, I could pass over, Will, do you want to talk about how we got started with the uh, hackathon and some of the stuff you led around that? Yeah. If that's if, interesting. If you guys don't mind, yeah. Um, so so as you guys know, right, Microsoft hosts like the world's largest hackathon every single year. And and the 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 best part is that we get like three days to to work on something that is, you know, hopefully useful, hopefully interesting to ourselves uh, and hopefully beneficial to the company and and our customers. And we were like, yeah, you know what? We, we can do something like this. We, we already worked on, you know, uh, Mark mentioned uh, Pi Apache Atlas, and there was another uh, solution accelerator that, that Mark and Travis and Rodrigo had done. And, and we're like, yeah, we, we can just, you know, keep going at this point. And we'll use the hackathon as, a, as an excuse for us to kind of hang out and, and, and knock this out. Uh, we, we discovered that there was this package called Open Lineage, which is an open source project that has this integration into Spark already. And like it, it pretty much did the majority of what we wanted uh, already. The only thing it didn't do was talk to Purview. And so we were like, okay, can we, can we one during the hack get this installed into Databricks, and then two, can we build something that can take what Open Lineage emits, its standard specification, and then and then shove it into Purview somehow. So uh, I remember Mark, Mark, uh, and Travis were a little bit concerned about like. Okay, we only got three days, right? And these these solution accelerators <laughs> take like months of work. And and I remember Mark was telling me that he was surprised because over the weekend I at least got Open Lineage installed and emitting Lineage and talking to an Azure function. It was that easy for us to get it started. And and then the hard part came with like translating it. And actually, that's where all like the real work. But you know, we we got it done in in a few days. It was like really really long days. And then and then we had to do like a demo video and stuff like that. Uh, but but it worked out. I think I think we were all up until like you know 1 a.m. each each person's time zone. But but it was it was a lot of fun on actually building this solution. Uh, and we were very very fortunate that we had the benefit of like open lineage. We could stand on their shoulders to get it done with. And, and Will's making the open lineage part sound easy. But as we went on, there's a ton of contributions into open lineage that Will actually led. Uh, so we've we've done a bunch of contribute contributions into that OSS project as well to get this off the ground and to provide the missing pieces that we did. So yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So 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 let's sort of frame this in in the sort of the bigger context. So Purview is about sort of understanding the data, you know, the the provenance of your data, right? How does that end up interacting with with Databricks? Like, why do I 
and, and again, this is sort of a perpy question, sort of the, yeah. you know, the, the solution accelerator question, but let's, let's, so let's frame it a little bit. Why do I care? Like, yeah. why do I care about my, knowing where my data came from in Databricks? So the, the reason why you care is because Spark and Databricks in general are a massive platform for ETL, for ex- extract, transform, and load. Uh, it, is, it is like probably the most popular platform that, mm-hmm. that is out there, cross-cloud, GCP, uh, AWS, and Azure are all using it. And so as a result, we have a lot of developers doing stuff there. Um, and, and currently, you, know, you can write in many different languages. You can write in SQL, Python, Scala, R even. And as a result, there's a lot of complexity that can go into a single Spark or Databricks job. And so I, I care about that lineage and, and that provenance because there's important business logic in there. There's, there's tables that I'm going to consume from or I'm going to modify upstream of it that if I, if I am you know, uh, very laissez-faire about, about keeping track of this, I'm eventually going to shoot myself in the foot and, and I'm going to make a change to a table and it's going to affect some random job that turns out to be mission critical that some oh, you know, okay. data scientist was was messing around with and never told anybody about. But it's powering some major thing on the on the e-commerce platform. So without it, I'm I'm kind of running blind to some degree. And and in this case, with respect to purview, uh, it, it was a feature that we did not have on the product. Right. And it's uh, still is a bit of a gap where. Purview doesn't natively talk to, to Databricks. And so we needed something to be able to extract that lineage so that we could at least show it uh, to our customers, so that we could at least demonstrate that we know about this and we care about it and we know that it's important to you as well. And we have been working closely with the Purview team. So there's there's we're kind of aligned with their roadmap and there's there's a, a plan for for taking a lot of these learnings and potentially some of this the solution and building it in. Um, as as things progress forward, so we're we're trying to align on all of those kind of future activities as well. What so so what is it? I mean, it sounds like you guys had to do a bunch of setup to get this to work. If I wanted to use this tomorrow, how hard do I have do I have to work three really long uh, days to to set this no, up? Travis did all that. All right? yours, he did Travis. All that, right? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I a good chunk of my time was spent on how to actually deploy this to customer environment. Um, and so we have two different deployment methods. We have like a full demo deployment, which will deploy everything from ground zero all the way up to purview, and then run pipelines to show. Um, and that getting that together probably takes an hour, maybe, uh, depending on how fast, you know, Azure's feeling today. Um, so, uh, and then you have to like, you have to go in and put in some, you know, permissions and things like that, but you can have a full end-to-end demo running in an hour. Um, uh, and then uh, we also do have a connector-only deployment. So if you already have like, um, like a purview and like a Databricks already kind of set up in your environment, and you just want to add this connector into it, um, you can go ahead and run the connector-only deployment. It deploys the functions and everything, and you can basically connect up everything um, that way. Um, and everything is done through uh, a Bash script and the ARM template that we deploy through the Cloud Shell so that nobody needs to try to install any sort of dependencies locally or anything yeah. like that. Everything is done in the Azure portal. You just clone the repo over, you know, C- CD into... Uh, um, to the folder you need, and then you just kind of, um, so it's, it's pretty straightforward and you don't run, you don't, since you're not doing it locally, you're not running into any like weird dependence, yeah. um, or anything. 
Probably the most complex part on the connector-only deployment is setting up all the open lineage pieces, I would think. Uh, yes. So so there are some <laughs> manual steps there, um, but uh, on the demo deployment, that's all done. So. Yeah, the demo deployment okay. is very straightforward. Okay. Walls laughing, is it because it's not that straightforward? I'm, I'm, I laugh a lot, Cynthia. You're, you're going to see that right happy. Here. I'm very, very happy. But, this is but the I thing think, is, I, I know it's not, it's pretty straightforward. I would say that, uh, yes, there are some, some nuances we have seen on like GitHub issues where it's like, uh, okay, how do I do this? Well, okay, it's, it's in the doc, right? It's in there. We've learned a lot about maintaining a, a popular open source repository, uh, that we see a lot of, a lot of, um, human nature coming out with with following instructions and so it's there and we've improved we have improved there's been a lot of great feedback from the community using it uh to make it easier and so that's that's why i'm i'm chuckling silently over here look i have deployed this thing no joke like a thousand times because we've like we'd run it and then you know go back in and make a change or you know it's so i can run i can deploy this thing in my sleep pretty much um because i have ran the code so many times um but yeah, you know, you just follow the instructions and you're good to go. <laughs> okay, so straightforward is relative or subjective to how well you follow instructions. There, boom. There it yes. is. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> but Travis got one question for you. You mentioned ARM templates. Could you talk? Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about the background? Why you chose ARM template over bicep? And then other question for oh. like the entire team: <laughs> If this uh, solution accelerator, do you see? customers from specific industries that's like flocking towards it or is it more of a generic solution that everyone can leverage uh so i'll cover why we chose arm template over bicep um i just now started learning bicep so that's why i chose arm <laughs> template over bicep um i i was more familiar with arm template and we just we got so far in it that going back to rewrite it all in bicep was not uh, on, he's honest. On it's an honest yeah. answer. Um, does, do does your really life like, feel a lot better now? <laughs> I do really like bicep. I've been learning it and getting it, and I I do very much like bicep. So I'm I will be transitioning into bicep. Um, but yeah, at the time it was just uh, that's what we wrote in. <laughs> but and I I don't know if this is still true, but at least when we were evaluating, we like to use the push button deployments in GitHub. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think those, at least at the time we were looking, didn't seem to be supported by Bicep. So just for our overall accelerators, this doesn't have a push button deployment because it's it's got a bunch of script that we have to run. It's too complex. But um, for overall, our team was mostly doing ARM templates for that reason, I think. We'll bring and then it back in like it. six months and you'll be like, I don't know why we wrote all that ARM code. Man, <laughs> Look, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I, I've looked into Bicep and uh, we have another solution accelerator that's using a bunch of Bicep. And I just did a crash course on it and I was like, man, Bicep is really cool. And <laughs> yeah. so now, yeah, sooner or later, if, uh, you know, if somebody wants to give me some funding, um, I can go back and <laughs> rewrite all the ARM into Bicep. <laughs> Well, awesome. with with respect quickly to Cynthia's other question around around industry, uh, so far it's been it's been broad, right? It's it's no one industry is focused on on this, but every industry talks about Databricks, right? So yeah. um, for at least with there's like maybe maybe there's some uh, there might be some inherent bias, but but we've heard from manufacturing, from retail, from health and life sciences, for the for the customers who come to us directly or through uh, other connections through Microsoft. So it's it's cross industry. And I think that's that's what makes it great. And it really 
actually speaks probably more to the value of purview, how it is across industry. Everyone needs governance. And also to Databricks, because everyone loves Databricks and everyone loves you know, the scale at which Databricks can work for you as well. So um, I think we benefit from that uh, because it's two solutions that everybody either likes or everybody needs. Um, and, and we get to stand on top of that. Yeah, People great. need to know where their data is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so I, I think I'll address it, but I want to make sure that we sort of clarify. Um, so sounds like setting it up is reasonable if we follow the instructions is what we landed on. Um, you know, uh, and, you know, but let's say I run into trouble, you know, or I run into something that I think is a bug. It sounded like y'all are very active on on GitHub and and you're responsive. And, and so basically, it sounds like that's the route for people to um, reach out if they have questions, but also what if they want to contribute something? Yes, for the love of goodness, please. We would love that, okay. right? <laughs> uh, honestly, like that's where we, we have two awesome communities that we actually can can support, right? One is our community, right? With the Solution Accelerator, where if you want to, you know, there's, there's a couple things that I think we could stand to improve. Uh, there's this idea of if you have a custom data source, right? If you are working with um, like a I don't know, Oracle SQL database, uh, Mark actually designed a solution so that it can just be configured, right? You don't have to make any code changes. Send us that configuration. We'll host it in our little uh, little gallery that we have that will help other customers and other users actually like, oh, oh I can just grab this configuration, stick it into my uh, app settings, and then now it works. I can now you know take Oracle and translate it to Oracle assets and purview. Awesome. And then, and then secondly, though, we also have the open lineage community. And so, so even there, right, uh, having more people aware of that community and contributing over there to submit PRs on like, hey, this is some weird behaviors happening in Databricks Delta. We can fix it in open lineage, and then we inherit that, right? And, and yeah. it's just so awesome. And you know, if uh, we're working on some some more data sources with respect to Azure, like like Cosmos and Kusto, uh, those are already in open lineage at this point. And and so we want to do more, right? We want to bring in event hubs, right? We want to bring in Snowflake. There's Snowflake Spark, and we want to be able to submit those to Open Lineage. So so we two great communities. I think we would love it. And and for those who are interested in in Open Lineage, you know you know reach out to them, reach out to me. I would love to help get people excited about that because it's such a great community. Uh, and and again, the whole of all data lineage providers, not just Purview, can benefit from it because a lot of other people mm -hmm. are starting to use Open Lineage as well. Yeah, and if you file issues, feel free to file bug fixes too, and, and put in <laughs> yeah. pull requests. It's all good. We, we're, we welcome all of that. <laughs> so, so I know you all were talking and referring to this as a solution accelerator, and within Microsoft, there's a number of different offerings that are meant to help accelerate the adoption of many different solutions. Does this solution accelerator tie into things like? our cloud adoption framework or our landing zone, or are there plans to kind of integrate that in the future? Um, this is a little bit different pattern than we usually use for Solution Accelerator. We almost didn't call it that, um, but it's it's what our team produces, so we put it under that that moniker. But but I think um, this, this is more like a production connector that we've built. Um, so it doesn't, it's not so much to, a lot of the solution accelerators we do are designed to help accelerate like um, MVP projects with customers or POCs and really get things, you know, off the ground and started. This is more of a production uh, connector that we built here. 
um, which is designed to help, you know, help also uh, with input into the product teams uh, around the same functionality. I would I would add to it though, like so. While I, I think we we did during the design of this consider those some of those things with respect to like the well architected framework, um, because because we want to be sure that this can scale out, right? This can scale to customers. Uh, and I, honestly, I, I've been you know Mark has many more years of experience in Microsoft than I do, right? Uh, but but uh, over my nearly five years here, I feel like this has been one of the most uh, useful solutions that I've seen produced by a team, not to toot our own horn very much, but but the idea here is that, we, you know, this is a great example of how to write good performant code on an Azure function uh, and, and with design decisions on, on how to scale out like horizontally, right, as as Azure functions can, right? Um, while while we don't necessarily document all of those those choices, uh, those those sorts of ideas and, and the patterns that that Microsoft espouses we try to apply into this so that it would work well. Um, and, and I think, again, it's a great example. Uh, we, just, we just don't explicitly say that it's a good example, except for right now, what we're doing here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is fairly complex, so, so there is that too. Um, there's, there's a lot to, to look at and read through on the code site for, for some of these design decisions to become clear. There's a couple lines of code. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, you know, I, I, I think I just I want to sort of make sure from a customer perspective that people know, you know, when and where they should use this. It sounds like, you know, it, this is open source, right? So they have to be aware that if they're going to adopt it, it is open source. And that is the support model around this. But it sounds like you're very much encouraging people to go use this in production workflows, right? You're, you're, this is, you're not saying do a proof of concept and try whatever. You're saying go use this. We think it's good enough. We, you know, we think it meets the need. Go use it. Is that right? Yeah, there are there are a number of customers using it today, um, and we we're getting feedback from from them in real time, uh, especially Will. <laughs> He's getting lots of lots of feedback. And, uh, and we've got we've got uh, you know hundreds of installs. Uh, I mean, maybe we're, we're like probably thousands at this point, right? We we uh, we were not very good at keeping metrics in the very beginning, so some of that data is lost to the sands of time. But but uh, outside of that, we've got you know we're keeping track and we can you know keeping uh, some metrics on, on how many installs are happening. So there's a there's a wide array of customers using this across the globe, across the industry. Uh, and and we we think that this is this is ready for them to to use. Uh, and yes, support is on GitHub, but uh, Microsoft support also has a hotline to us as well, right? So so if they are using it in production, um, they're they're gonna they have some training on it, uh, but then they have a direct line to us so that way we can we can help escalate any issues. Um, it's just the, the only thing we have is, is, is commercially reasonable support, right? We we have other day jobs like Travis and Mark uh, have, have, you know, real day jobs. I just kind of, you know, am around. So <laughs> so that, that's what we, we get to, to do uh, and, and support it uh, as best we can with, with respect to those timelines. But, but we want people to be adopting this and we want them to be doing this in production uh, and we will do as, as much as we can to, to enable that. Just uh, yeah, thank you. I've, I've been listening and tr trying to trying to understand it and trying to take it in. But as I understand, this is a connector that you built, and uh, you know you can you open source all the rest of it. Why would Microsoft not build this as a first party part of the solution? 
I think they they are going. They're planning on building this out, and and this feeds into that. But it's a timing and prioritization issue. Uh, okay. I think you, you need to ask the purview team, but I think they've just got so many things on their plate that this this was something that took a back burner and got maybe more customer requests than were initially expected. And so we we stepped in. Uh, this this is definitely an interim long term. This should be an interim solution, um, but one that, like I said before, is actually in line with their roadmap. So you should be able to adopt this and not have to worry about going down a dead end road, for instance. Um, yeah, it's just more about, I guess, um, for enterprise customers to uh, have that confidence that it's going to have the support and, and so on, where they might be a bit reluctant to just yeah. pick something off GitHub. And, yeah, and I, I would add that that Spark, Apache Spark, which Databricks is you know using in, mm-hmm. in, um, as, as the baseline is improved upon, it is not easy to get information out of it, right? The even even the things that Open Lineage is using and what uh, potentially Databricks is using as part of their Unity catalog is is not really it's their their developer APIs, right? They're not really meant for the the public endpoints to be used. So so there's there is that that you know difficulty and a matter of you need some truly deep experts. Granted, Microsoft has a lot of Spark expertise, right? We have our own Spark engine. We've had our own Spark engine for for a while now. We we partnered with Hortonworks a long time ago, uh, and we've been, obviously been very close partners with Databricks too. But but even at that point, right? It's it's a lot to be able to extract out, uh, and we're very fortunate again that Open Lineage already had these great Spark developers to to help accelerate us, um, and and now. Uh, a little, a little, you know, behind-the-scenes information is that there's other teams at Microsoft that are exploring this for other installations of Spark, right? Like being able to do this on Synapse Spark, being able to do this on oh, yeah. like Kubernetes Sparks, right? Like there's Open Lineage because it works on Spark, works anywhere. It's just a matter of, of you know, translating the model back to Purview. And once you've done that, it's it's pretty it's pretty easy, right? Uh, but again, it's it's just that hard work of like. You know, how do you interpret this, the specification from Open Lineage, and then how do you morph it into uh, an Apache Atlas, and 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 what model are you using? Like, what attributes do you want to capture? And but but ultimately, any version of Spark can be using this, uh, and it's it's important that we we support Open Lineage uh, because they're they're so far ahead, right? Uh, in, at least in my opinion, as an Open Lineage contributor, uh, I, w- I would want us to support them a lot because they're doing such cool work. Uh, and it's again global, uh, not just Microsoft, not just one company. Many, many teams are, are contributing to that. This, yeah. this, this, uh, oh, sorry, Russell. I was going to say this sits on, and we've had we've talked about this theme on the show a bunch over the years. This is sort of the new Microsoft versus the old Microsoft, right? We're we're going to yeah. contribute. We're going to help the overall ecosystem. Um, yes, does it help us and help our customers? Sure, but it also helps the rest of the the ecosystem as well. Exactly. So very much our our new model. Um, yeah, this this has been great, Mark, Travis, Will. Appreciate you guys y'all coming on um any last questions or 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 any last uh comments or things you want to raise for our audience the the only thing i'll add is that you know the the accelerator continues to grow and develop right we're going to continue adding more data sources um we have our eyes on hopefully being integrated fully into the product but um that that won't affect people who are using the connector uh, right it should be a pretty seamless seamless transition once it eventually makes into the product uh but expect Expect more data sources. Expect uh, you know more improvements uh, along the line, uh, and we would love to have contributors. Right? Uh, don't be afraid to to put in things. Uh, you're, you'll get feedback from us, and and we'd love to you know incorporate. If you incorporate that feedback 
and then and then submit it, we'd, we'd love to inc include it, right? Because we want our community to work. Uh, uh, so that's that's been my my main takeaway. Uh, and and again, thanks to the Azure Podcast team for for having us. Yeah, I just second you. everything Will said. <laughs> thank thank I, you I guys very say, much for the opportunity. I would say uh, everybody should check out Bicep. Yeah, I would say Travis will come back in a few months and do a show on Bicep for us. But, yeah. <laughs> and um, Adam, yeah. just just very briefly before we before we wrap up, I know you're keen to get on, Evan, but um, just you know, Will, when you introduce yourself, you, you said you're a global black belt. I'm just wondering if if that's something that people are going to understand what what a global black belt does. So just very very quickly. But, uh, yeah, so super brief. Uh, I help. Uh, our customers, some of our largest customers in the world, um, focus on, on on how do we how do we you know accelerate their workload moving from I'm just starting out on Synapse, Databricks, Data Factory, uh, Azure Machine Learning, ML Flow. How do we accelerate them so that they can move from I think I want to do this to I'm ready to do this? Uh, and so I spend a lot of time working with customers, writing code, uh, helping them deliver on on these ideas, uh, and then getting them ready to uh, the point where a partner, you know, an integrator can actually take it forward with them uh, and be confident that it's ready to go. That's that's mostly my role. Uh, and it's been a big, big benefit of being able to work on this team because I've been able to, you know, do some cool stuff with these guys and take it to like a real production solution, uh, which not everyone in Microsoft gets the opportunity to do. Cool. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I guess that role deserves a, a cool title to go with it as well. So thank you. <laughs> right. That's right. Thanks, Russell. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, thanks again. Thanks you all for coming on. This has been great. Um, I did want to share um, with our audience um, and there's, I guess there's good news, bad news here. Um, uh, and she doesn't know we were going to mention this, but um, Cynthia has decided to leave Microsoft. She is going to go scarily go back to be a student um, to work on her MBA and, and, you know, potentially go on to bigger and better things. But, you know, so we're definitely going to miss her in the, you know, within our, our internal community, but She's going to stick around. She's going to continue to be a, a host on the show. Um, so, Cynthia, you know, congratulations on the next step. Um, we are going to come visit you. We won't get into it for the public audience, but where you're going to school is a cool place to go visit. So we will, we, you know, we may all just show up one day and just do a show from <laughs> your place. <laughs> She's looking very scared. Oh, no. no, no, no. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. <laughs> Okay. Awesome. Great. Everybody, thanks for the time. I um, appreciate all coming coming on. Thank you. See y'all. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.